0: Peter Helland on Citizens for Community Media. Um people have been asking, you know, when are you gonna get Mike Jones back on? <clears throat> uh I think Mike thinks this is a good time to come back on, partly because there's so much coming onto the table right now. And I was thinking about um Mike uh is, is I've heard him say it often. He said uh, all he does, I don't really do much. I just I read and I write. So he kind of has the life of uh, the man of leisure in a sense. I mean, hes he's, I don't think he would call it leisure per se, but it's leisure in the sense of giving your focus to things that should be uh, meditated on. Um, There's a passage that says, um, only without leisure can a man become wise. So with so much hitting, uh, unless you have a depth of good reading on the history of things, uh, you're gonna look maybe at the trucker incident and you may miss something that's contributing to what's going on, okay? So the the title of the show is A War on Representative Government, and Citizens for Community Media itself is a, a, plays into representative government. I mean, it's, they're, they they relate to each other, because without this going out here locally, uh, and you're gonna rely on the South Bend Tribune to inform the people, or the internet will inform them. Well, you have, on one hand, you have hardly anything, and on the other hand, you have way too much. So how do you, if somebody in the local community isn't helping to process this and say, okay, here's what I think is going on, and
1: brings forth a discussion, the local communities will be in the dark. Right, you need the the power of the mind here. The mind can take uh, diversity, all of these facts And it can meditate on them uh, and bring a a unity, a a focus to all of these things. That's what the mind does. That's what art Mm -hmm. is. That's what philosophy is. And you're right. You do need uh, leisure to do this. It's the the Latin word is "otium," uh, and the uh, the opposite of uh, "otium" is "negotium," which is translated as busyness or business. So the uh, the philosopher takes a step back from the Busy, the world of busyness and meditates on things uh, as to, see, to get the big picture. So what is the big picture? The big picture that ever since we've been doing this uh, has been the war on representative government. We, we st- I can remember talking about uh, the, um, the attack in Indianapolis, started in Indianapolis with uh, the attack on the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. When the oligarchs, Mark Benioff, showed up and told the legislators to overturn the law they had just passed, protecting the citizens of Indiana, because he didn't like it. Uh, A man who's from San Francisco, uh, a a, a manifestation of the Jewish revolutionary spirit, who's always trying to meddle in your culture and trying to overturn uh, your customs and your beliefs. And uh, he succeeded because uh, Mike Pence, who was then the governor, was too stupid to understand that this is an attack on him as the representative of representative government. And so he should have had him arrested for trying to overthrow the government, which is precisely what uh, the uh, the Democrats did after that protest in Washington last year. A peaceful protest got orchestrated, turned around, and given a false identity as an insurrection because uh, they stole the government, they stole the election.
0: And you, and you, right after that happened, you came on and talked about a color revolution, how that that right. was. this
1: was a color revolution aimed at the people of the United States. So basically what you have here is you unleashed uh, this demon in 1953 when you created the, uh, the CIA and they created uh, ways to overthrow governments throughout the world. The first one was the government of Iran, 1953, when they overthrew Mossadegh and put the Shah in power. You orchestrate public opinion, you give the sense that everything is happening, and then uh, the, 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 the government falls and you take over. Well, they try to, they're, trying to do the, they're using the same tactics on us on our representative government.
0: Do you think at the bottom of it is uh, is hubris or pride in the American people? In other words, we won World War II, so we have, a, we have an automatic right to rule the world and we can use CIA to maneuver things.
1: I think, I think uh, the, the narrative, as we know it, began with World War II. I don't think there's any question. Uh, the, the, at, the, at this moment, the end of World War II, you had a situation where the allies <coughs> had been involved, involved in criminal activity for the entire length of the war. Uh, the, the British had been involved in the saturation bombing of civilians, which is a war crime. Uh, they were involved in the fire bombing of uh, Dresden and uh, and uh, Hamburg, and the Americans uh, were a part of that too. And so they come to the end of the war, they finally, the, Germany is in ruins, and they come to the camps and suddenly they realize, here's a chance, we're going to make videos of these camps and we're going to Tell the world uh, that the Nazis were exterminating their own people. But, That's the, but you said part part
0: of the reason was was the guilt, their own guilt of having violated the Geneva Convention on bombing civilians. Right. And so this was a diversion for the public and themselves.
1: Right. It helped ca- calm their guilty consciences. Uh, it also helped distract everyone from the war crimes they had committed. And everything got blamed on Germany. And you had this farce known as the Nuremberg War uh, Crimes Tribunal, which was a farce from beginning to end, uh, a legal farce. Uh, Even the judges themselves, Judge Jackson says, look, if you want to go out and shoot the Germans, okay, that's fine, but don't pretend that there's some type of legal proceeding, you know, that it's justified by the rule of law, it's not. So you're right, it it began then, and uh, it has proceeded along those lines, And Germany is very important in this regard. Germany is extremely important if you want to understand what's going on because what's going on now is what happened in Germany. You had an extremely successful regime of social engineering imposed on the Germans, basically broke their spirit, broke the German spirit. Uh, And then after it got imposed on them, it got imposed on the rest of the world through the American empire. But more importantly, it got imposed on the Catholic Church. Um, I've, uh, I've written uh, the latest issue of uh, Culture Wars. The cover article is about uh, synodality. This whole movement within the Catholic Church to sort of make a big survey, well, a big media, what, what are the people of God thinking? Well, first of all, this is preposterous. D- to think that you can survey 1.2 billion Catholics throughout the world and come up with uh, one opinion like and uh, we're going to do this, Well, it's a sham, because it's all the information is always going to be passed up. So you, you would sit at your local parish here, and we five people would sit around the table, and then you would talk, and then one guy would say, "Oh, I'll summarize it." He goes, and then he summarizes, leaving stuff out. What he thinks is important, because all the passes all the way up the chain. And so I'm. I said this before to the uh, to my uh, the associate pastor at St. Pat's. I said. This is a charade, we know what they're going to say. I'll tell you what they're going to say.
0: But, but this is almost like a phony type of representative government because Pete Buttigieg will have a town hall meeting. Right. And it'll be just as phony, but it's like there's this god of democracy up there, they have to, okay, this is what we're supposed to do. And the church is kind of like... The
1: church what? is not a democracy. I know, okay? it, but, but, but this process is like a democracy thing. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's sham democracy. Because what I'm saying here is that just as, you know, like, like Pete Buttigieg was a classic example of what I'm talking about. Pete Buttigieg was the Justin Trudeau of South Bend, uh, Indiana, who went through the motions of uh, uh, representative government, but was always imposing oligarchic rule on the people of South Bend. And if you went along with it, he'd pat you on the head. And if you didn't go along with it, as I didn't, he would call you a fringe activist, which is what he called me in his autobiography. Pete, you grew up down the street from me. You lived next, on the same street, only two houses down for 30 years. Uh, uh, or, you know, your, your entire uh, life up to the time you went away to college, 18 years. And you don't know my name, even though you'd say my name when you see me on the street and say hello. You forgot my name in the book. This is identity theft. He is a master at identity theft. This is what the oligarchs do; they steal your real identity. I'm I'm a resident of South Bend, Indiana, and they give you their label as a way of uh, denying you your ability to speak. That's exactly what he did. That, he's, he's a master of it. He parlayed that into a position in Washington, and you know he's probably going to run for president again. You know won't won't win, but uh, he'll he'll laugh all the way to the bank. That's a classic example of what we're talking about. That is the antithesis of representative government. It's a parody of representative.
0: But he government. almost was made by his dad too. In other words, his dad was um pretty
1: cunning. And his dad was very cunning. His dad was a uh, a former Jesuit uh who uh became a professor of English at Notre Dame and uh, parlayed basically nothing in terms of publication. He wrote, there's one book of his in the Notre Dame Library. Uh, It's his doctoral dissertation which is a a, a stale, cliched version of everything he would ridicule later on in life. But his real real cause in life was uh, the notebooks of Antonio Gramsci who was a communist who had been thrown in jail during the fascist era in uh, Italy and wrote these notebooks on basically how to subvert a, a, a conservative society like Italy, or like Notre Dame, which is what he did. And the, the point here is take over the culture. You know, it's not the means of production, it's the culture, take over the culture. And uh, there are certain techniques you can pervert Christianity or you, you make the victim uh, the center of your cause and so on. And he parlayed basically nothing other than that uh, into an endowed chair at Notre Dame until he died of lung cancer. So Pete sat, uh, says in his biography, he sat at the table and listened to his father spout off to all the other revolutionaries at Notre Dame. So Notre Dame is a revolutionary outpost, and it's there to produce commissars who will then rule over the people and get them to do what the oligarchs want them to do. That's, that's the situation throughout the world right now. But, but Notre
0: Dame is similar to Germany. In other words, Germany is a, a strategic place to subvert, which they succeeded, and Notre Dame, from a military, you know, that's a strategic point that we would like to subvert.
1: Because it uh, provides an entry point into the Catholic Church. Yes. And that's precisely what Notre Dame did uh, long before Buttigieg arrived on the scene. Father Hesburgh became a a proxy warrior for the Rockefellers in the birth control battles of the 1960s, uh, basically, helped Rockefeller subvert the church's teaching, held secret conferences at Notre Dame where they subverted the church's teaching. So, once again, you've got a a local institution. They're not working for the Catholic Church. He's working for the Rockefellers. Hesburgh's job is to get the church to follow the lead of the Rockefellers on birth control. That was the whole, that was what made him as a figure. That's why he ended up on the Rockefeller Foundation, Board of Trustees at Harvard, and. A, uh, the world's record in the Guinness Book of Records for honorary doctorates, all because he was a loyal servant of oligarchic interest in their attempt to destroy the Catholic Church. Well, I was just at a meeting
0: this morning, a meeting that you know about, and that one of the guys was saying, oh, we're, we're blowing you guys away. We're having all the children and you guys have none. Was that part of the Rockefeller I mean, on purpose to limit the number of Of course cho- it
1: was. Yeah, and for what reason? Because demographic power is the basis of political power.
0: So who are they attacking? Who are they after? Who are they targeting? Well, who's
1: they? who's they? First of all, who are the Rockefellers? There are three, it's the triple melting pot. There are three ethnic groups in the United States, uh, Protestants, Catholics, and Jews. And the Wasp, elite, obviously, they're white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. The Rockefellers were traditionally Northern Baptists, but at this point, Protestantism had become a kind of ethnic rather than religious identity. Uh, and they were the, they ruled the roost. Uh, let's say right after World War II, they were the ruling class right after World War II, and uh, they were worried about two groups. They were worried about Negroes and they were worried about Catholics because neither of these groups used contraception, whereas all of the Protestant denominations had accepted contraception as simply part of what, more, you know, sensible people did. So you have an imbalance like that. It began in the nineteen twenties. It's in. It's in uh, the Great Gatsby. But the whole vaccine thing is, is, a lot of the story of the vaccine
0: is depopulation. So is there any correlation between this notion that
1: are, there are forces trying to lower the population? Yeah, so, so, so they, the Rockefellers <laughs> were inspired by the eugenics movement. Uh, they wanted to lower the birth rates of the people they were competing against. There's a guy named Packard who was on the board of the Rockefellers, and he said, I don't like Planned Parenthood because Planned Parenthood gets everyone to reduce their children. We don't, we don't want our people to reduce the number of their children. We want them to reduce. So, in other words, Negroes and Catholics. So Margaret Sanger created the Negro Project. The founder of Planned Parenthood, what is now called Planned Parenthood, founded something called the Negro Project, which is basically get Negroes to stop having children. Okay. Now, the church was more cent- centralized in that, so they could go after. So, basically, Hesburgh arranged a, uh, a meeting with, uh, between Rockefeller and Paul VI when Paul VI was contemplating writing his birth control, Encyclopedia Humanae Vitae, and Rockefeller volunteered to write it for him. Mighty white of you, John D. That's what the Pope said. That's mighty white of you to do that. Of course, he said it in Italian, but. Um, now, and it fa- it, so it failed uh, in that sense in that the Pope did not endorse uh, birth control, but who cares because you got Hesberg and Notre Dame and all of these, there was a rebellion in the Catholic Church uh, they all, uh, the prof- professoriate rejected uh, humane vite and they uh, basically, the u- universities went down that path. Well, as Paul VI said, if you reject uh, the connection between sex and procreation, you're going to end up promoting homosexuality. And guess what happened? You have Notre Dame as one of the prime promoters of homosexuality in our area. Yeah, that's done. Uh, M- writing. The, the, the uh, rainbow flag flies all over the place. More rainbow flags than American or Papal flags over there. They have taken over the institution, which is precisely what Joe Buttigieg orchestrated through Gramsci. So they did that. And so it no longer, that university is the paradigm that we're talking about. It's been taken over by oligarchs through their proxy warriors, the professors, and their proxy warriors then train the children, the, or the kids who come there, not to be Catholics, but to be loyal servants of the oligarchs. That's why you go to Notre Dame. You get a job at the FBI policing other Catholics, making sure they don't stray off the reservation. That's, that's what happened here. It happened, first of all, in Germany. Because they lost the war, they were completely defenseless at this point. And uh, at this point, all of the Jews who ran away in the 1930s, came back lusting for vengeance, lusting for vengeance against the German Is there a
0: way to look at World War I and World War II as like one war? And when when you lose a war like that, then all bets are off. They can do with you with whatever you want. I mean, normally they might kill you, make you a slave. So they're going to do whatever they want.
1: Well, they, now the question is, who is they? Who is they? And this became a big dispute after the war. Now, some of the most ferocious, uh, vengeance-seeking people there were the Jews. Uh, And you had people like Secretary of the Treasury Morgenthau proposing the Morgenthau Plan, which was basically to starve the German people to death. And that took place. He did it. Not to death, but they were starving. But Americans don't
0: realize, because I remember talking to Inga, at the, she was the German lady at the farmer's market, and we're talking about Mein Kampf. I'm speaking to her in German, Mein Kampf, and, and I, you know, my fight, Hitler's book. And I said, Inga, what, who are you guys fighting? And she looked at me like I was like, like stupid or something. She goes, The Jews. So, in other no. words, people don't realize that the Germans were very aware that's who they were fighting. Well, so were
1: the Jews. So the 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 average uh, person. So so you have. So what you have is a situation where, all right, the the Jews are upset, uh, and so they create the World Jewish Congress, uh, in the 19. I think it was 1935, something like that. And the first thing they do is declare war on Germany. Well, the Germans react with uh, Kristallnacht. Kristallnacht was basically Germans going around uh, breaking Nazis, breaking windows, breaking the windows of Jewish shops. But that's so because they had the, dec- they had. Well, uh, so, well, so it's a classic situation. The big Jews get out, stand around, they thump their chest and they start, you know, attacking people. It's the little Jews that paid the price. The Trotsky's make the war and the Bronstein's pay for it. That's a Russian proverb, I think. So uh, so this is, so this is what happens. So now it's, Forty six, forty seven. The Jews uh, are now in power in Germany. Uh, the 75% of the staff at the Nuremberg War tri- tri- Tribunal were Jews. Uh, Judge Jackson is upset because you can't talk to these people. Um, you've, got a, you've got a situation where uh, they're lusting for revenge and they're ruining the situation. Now, Morgenthau's system was Harry Dexter White or Weiss. Uh, He was a Soviet spy. And the plan, I think, the one that makes most sense is you wanna make the Germans so miserable that they'll long for the Russians to come in, the Soviets, and take over. That was the plan. I think that was the ultimate, uh, Weiss's plan, White's plan. Uh, But that wasn't Americans. The Americans were represented by Herbert Hoover, who was a Quaker, and the Quakers had made a big impression on people like Henry Regnery's father, during World War I because when Winston Churchill was starving the Quakers to death with his naval boycott, the Quakers uh, collected food and sent it to Germany. It was called the, the, uh, the Quakerspeise. Uh, and so here we are back again, and the Quakers, Herbert Hoover, is upset because this is not right. And so there's this battle in the public uh, media, uh, the public square, like, uh, you can't do this. If, if you do this to the Germans, you're no different than the Nazis. And the Jews were pressing, no, no, we have to punish the German people. Eisenhower was ferociously on the side of the Jews. He, was, uh, he, he had, uh, has his own criminal behavior to cover up. He was the uh, Rheinwiesenlager. He just put Germany, he refused to declare the Germans that he captured as prisoners of war, stuck them out on the brine Meadow camps, and they starved to death, thousands. The question is, how many? That's the only question. We know he did it, we know lots of them died, we know it was cruel, and it was a war crime, so why are we quibbling about the number of people? That, that
0: goes back to this, that the, 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 the word slave means despair, and that when you fought wars in the past, which I can't comprehend, they felt they could just kill them
1: right but so, by christianity intervened exactly and it, it said no you can't treat people like that even in times of war you have to behave in a moral fashion and so the you know the geneva conventions were an expression of christian europe and you can't do that kind of stuff the united states the soviet union and england completely re- held these Conventions and contempt did not follow them at all, and then they blamed the Germans for doing precisely what they did. But they, the had, they had they had
0: been doing after the Civil War when Sheridan went over to Europe. He couldn't. They, they were appalled by the, how the Northern Sherman. Well, I know I think it was Sheridan that okay. went to Europe, and Sherman. They, they were all in on together, but Sheridan was representing Sherman, and this is how we fought the war. And they couldn't believe it. This was so against Christian
1: warfare. No, they, you you don't wage war against the civilian population unless you're in the United States of America and you have a lot of uh, airplanes, and that's what they decided. They're going to wage war on the civilian population, wear them down so that Germany surrenders. What they did was prolong the war. It was horrendous, horrendous mistake. Many Americans died because of it. Thousands of Germans died, but so it's over now. And now the question is, are we going to let the Jews determine how we treat the Germans? And the American people rose up and said, no. Morgenthau, Roosevelt died. Morgenthau was pushing Truman around and Truman said uh, you know sorry we're not going to do it and they came up with the Marshall Plan which was a better way all right we're not going to starve the Germans to death but 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 we're going to have in many ways something worse which is called social engineering and that's what they instituted so you still have the Jews here in Germany still calling the shots there's David Mordecai Levy is a Jewish psychiatrist from New York City and in order to get a license to uh, publish a magazine or a book or a TV show or a movie, you have to go to him and you lie down on his couch and you tell him how guilty you feel because of the wicked nature of the German people. And Then you get a license and then you become uh, uh, basically a lackey of the American empire.
0: Just a thought before, George, uh, George Marshall was really acting goofy on, on Pearl Harbor Day. I think he was in on the whole trap so he had to feel a little guilty that we, I mean, we set it up and then we put all our energies to defeat Germany, that was always in the plan.
1: I mean, this, this, is, pretty, this is pretty bad stuff we were doing. Yes, don't underestimate the power of guilt. Uh, I'm saying uh, this especially with regard to the Jews because we're talking about the big picture being the Jewish revolutionary spirit, which has been in existence for over 2,000 years now. Uh, Began at the foot of the cross when the Jews called for the death of Jesus Christ. 70 years later, the temple was destroyed. Now, if the temple is destroyed, the Jew has no way of expiating guilt. No. um, You have to have the sacrifice and the priesthood and the temple, in order to expiate. I, guilt. Heard, I
0: heard Alan Dershowitz say that just on a panel discussion. He said, "We don't have anything. We don't. We were blood sacrifice. We don't have that. So we
1: have nothing." He said. Right. So what do you do when you can't expiate guilt? You have to deal with it. Nobody can uh, live with guilt. It drives you crazy. So what do you do? Well, the ju- the Jewish solution to that was projecting guilt. The Jew will always project guilt words, on I got, you. I got to get this off of me. Got to I'll project it on you. And so the Polish proverb says, the Jew cries out in pain when he strikes you. So he's always blaming you for what he what he does. There's all, you're always on the defensive when you're dealing with these people. You're always guilty of something. You know what I mean? Like, what did I do now? Like, what did I do now? Oh, oh wait a minute. It's... I used the wrong pronoun, damn it, I'm sorry, I apologize. I'm sorry guys, how many times do you see this? It's like a daily basis, Joe Rogan just caved in to this pressure, he's apologizing. Everybody has to apologize. For something. For something, you used the wrong pronoun. You don't support abortion, you're an anti-Semite. But because on and on and on, you're always on the defensive because these people have this ingrained habit of projecting on you, projecting their guilt onto you and trying to make you feel guilty. So they did it to the German people. They did it. They succeeded.
0: And And, and the Germans were weak. Their their
1: Christianity was weak. They were divided. Okay, so 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 there's a big claim. How did they do it? Well, they did it through social engineering. But who was the crucial figure here? And I think the crucial figure was Joseph Ratzinger. Crucial figure. You can't understand the church in the 20th century unless you understand Joseph Ratzinger. He was born in 1927. Um, das Hungerjahr, the high point of Morgenthau's plan to starve the Germans to death, is 1947 when he's 20 years old. Do you know your, whether you're hungry when you're 20 years old? Mm-hmm. You know whether you're hungry when, when you're, you're 20 days old. That's when you're eating the most. You know, so, so he knew, and not only that, he comes from a, a, a kind of special family because his great uncle was a famous Bavarian by the name of Georg Ratzinger, his brother's named after him. Uh, and he wrote a book called Judisches Erwerbsleben, which is Jewish business practices. So he knew the family tradition, knew that the Jews would behave this way Here you have a Jew, Morgenthau, everybody knows this, he's trying to starve the Germans to death out of revenge. So what do you do? What do you do? Well, he couldn't mount up a militia attack. I mean, what could he do? What could he do? That's a good question because I'm saying, so he was in the seminary at this point. He decided he was going to become a priest. He's in the seminary. And so he's a little bit removed from the problem because the seminary is off in the country and it has its own source of food and water, and they're not like in downtown Berlin uh, where you're really in trouble. Uh, so, what do you do when you're in a situation like that? What do you do? Do you kid in? Do you, do you basically try to defend what the Nazis did? No, you're not going to do that because there's father didn't agree with the Nazis. Many Germans did not agree with the Nazis. They took over the country. Well, what do you do? Well, you become a priest, and then you become more and more famous. And finally, in 1959, he's appointed to a professor at the University of Bonn, and he comes uh, to the attention of Cardinal Frings of Cologne. Now, Frings was a hero. Uh, He stood up to... Morgenthau and the Americans. And he told the German people, people of Cologne, if, if you're hungry and there's a warehouse full of food, you can go into that warehouse and take that food and it's not theft. And if there's a coal train there and you're cold, you can take the coal from the train and it's not theft. And they came, coined a verb, it was called Fringsen, uh which means to take something to keep yourself alive. So he was a hero. Frings was also a hero in the post-World War II period because the biggest battle at that point was obscenity. So, okay, this is the hidden grammar of the Marshall Plan. We're going to give you money, but we're going to flood the country with pornography, so you spend your money on pornography because that will take you out. That will wreck you. And that's what was going on. And Frings backed up his own legion of decency. It was called the Bund and the guy named Kalmas who had been doing this for years and they went toe to toe and he actually, and so when, when the, at this point in time, we're talking about 1954 when the Jews uh, used Bergman, Ingmar Bergman's film, The Silence, to break the code in Germany, Frings encouraged them and they had uh, riots in theaters, shut the production down because he understood how important the moral fiber was of a people to resist precisely this type of control. Right, how
0: could they complain? They're, they're saying, well, the Germans were so immoral, well, now they're, now they're standing on what is clear a moral position, so how can
1: you complain? Yes, except that the Americans were dead set against, the Americans were promoting obscenity, they kept calling it free speech. So the crisis comes, the crisis. So 1959, Ratzinger meets Frings. Frings is really impressed. He says to Ratzinger, "We're going to have an ecumenical council. I want you to come to Rome to be my peritus or my ex- expert." And so he goes to Rome, and at this point he takes over the entire Vatican Council single-handedly. Ratzinger. Ratzinger. Did. He, he was because he was that brilliant. He was brilliant. He's a brilliant guy, uh, and he, but he was he used Frings to do it. He wrote Frings's speeches, and so Frings. So there, the council has been prepared. Cardinal Ottaviani was the man who proposed the council to John the 23rd. The church is in state of crisis because there's too centralized, power is too centralized. Pius the 12th centralized all the power. He was a figure like Stalin or Hitler or Roosevelt because he understood how to use the radio or Father Coughlin. And the world was used to this. So he could get on the radio and felt you know give a speech and you know uh, uh, and he was dead now. And they ch- they needed to have a co- like type of course correction, uh, a devolution from the center. Uh, but Otaviani was not stupid. He was a very smart guy, and he understood. B- if you read the preliminary documents, he's warning not just about the Soviet Union. They talked about communism. Everybody knew that's a problem. But he starts talking about uh, psychiatry and Hollywood. Now where do they? Where are they? That's Amer- That's the United States of America okay, they oppose communism, but they got problems too. Well, what, what group, uh, what do those two things have? What group is involved in both psychiatry
0: and Hollywood? Well, I was majoring in psychology at Notre Dame, and they didn't tell us, but in hindsight,
1: it had a lot of Jewish influence. Of course, it was the Jews. The Jews controlled both of those groups. Jew- psychiatry was Jewish science. Everybody knew that. Hollywood was controlled by Jews. And so he's warning against this, and Rotzinger comes in and completely upsets the apple cart and says, no, no, we don't we don't want to be negative
0: anymore. But one of the first documents of Vatican II dealt with the social media, dealt with that. I can't remember the name of it, but.
1: Intermarifica.
0: Right, so that was one of the first documents. Yeah, and, and it's
1: it, one of the stupidest and weakest, and it really is inconsequential. Okay. Okay, there were much better documents. Ottaviani much had written much more incisive things in his preliminary documents, and Morifica. But Ratzinger at this point comes in and says, we, we don't, let's stop being so negative. The church has nothing to fear from the modern world. Let's just proceed in a positive way. Well, what you did by doing that is basically you cut the nerve of resistance to obscenity in Germany. You just cut it because now- Don't worry they, about it. They were, they were embarrassed. The church has always been embarrassed by things like the legion of decency because you know polite people don't talk about things like schmutz und schund schmutz und schund or sittlichkeit you know this let's talk about we're, the americans are talking about kinsey kinsey is science science is real i know that because there's a guy down the street that has a sign in his front yard you know science is real like kinsey that's real science it was a front for his homosexuality but nobody knew that at that point so they go along, and what, uh, what I'm saying here is this was a catastrophe for the church. I'm not denying the uh, validity of these documents. You can't have 2,000 bishops come together and approve something, that, that get, get fooled. They weren't fooled, okay? The Jews were working to subvert the document on uh, non-Christian religions, on Nostra Tate, and they failed. But there were statements in that document that were ambiguous, like a condemnation of anti-Semitism. You didn't define what anti-Semitism is. So how can you condemn it? What is it? Anything Jews don't like? We have to listen to the ADL, whatever they don't like? That's all you have to go along well, they with they probably
0: that? thought maybe we, maybe we should put that in there and they weren't realizing how that could come back to bite them. No,
1: they didn't. Because they obviously had an understanding of it, which is the true understanding, which is basically it's a racial ideology. Okay, it's a racial understanding that Jews have bad DNA. Well, that's ridiculous. You know, everybody in the Gospel whether you were St. Peter or whether you were Caiaphas. They are all Jewish. They all had the same DNA. So how could that, that's not relevant. This was a theological distinction. The Jew is a theological construct who created himself when he didn't, when he killed Christ and attacked Logos.
0: And St. Paul is the one they hated the most because he come right out and said, a Jew is one who is circumcised in the heart, is one who is inward. Right. That, that, that clears so the deck that right it there.
1: ended the whole ethnic idea of an ethnic religion, and we now have a universal religion, thanks to St. Paul who went and talked to the Greeks. So this was a fatal mistake for Germany, and it was a fatal mistake for the Catholic Church. And we are living with the consequences to this day. To this day. And why do I say that? because there is now a Polish priest by the name of Dariusz Oko, professor at uh, the University of Kraków, John Paul II University of Kraków, who is going to go on trial tomorrow in Cologne, the home of Cardinal Frings. But he's a Polish priest. And Cardinal, Adenauer, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Prime Minister Odenauer. Both of them spoke Kursz. They didn't even speak German, they spoke Kirsch. okay? And why is he going on trial? Because he wrote an article in a German magazine called Theologisches.
0: But he's in Poland, why would he go? have to go to court in Germany? Oh, Peter,
1: have you ever heard of the European Union?
0: Okay, and so they, they, so
1: they okay. could just
0: grab you from any place.
1: Well, they could grab you from any place, wow. okay? So basically you abrogate the sovereignty of these countries, the Poles are upset, but basically, why is he going on trial? Because he wrote an article attacking the homosexual mafia in the Catholic Church. Wait a minute. What's this got to do with the Holocaust? What's this got to do with the Jews? Well, wait a minute. You read down. Who's doing it? It's a, it's a, a, a priest. Now, I don't want to judge, but I mean, the picture of him kissing another guy leads me to believe he's probably one of those people. I mean, I don't want to jump to conclusions here, but uh, that's the impression I got. Okay, now, he, uh, his name is uh, Rote, Father Rote, and uh, he's upset because uh, Father Oko in Poland used words like the homo heresy and the homosexual mafia. Okay, in that article that he wrote in the Theologisches, and he basically got the German government to attack OKO. They fined OKO four thousand euros or something like that, and OKO refused to pay, and as a result, he's now going to go on trial tomorrow. Now, what does this have to do with the Holocaust? What does this have to do with everything I just talked about? Well, it's the the reason, the law, the legal basis for this suit is paragraph one thirty the notorious paragraph 130, which is against Volksverhetzung, which is dif- difficult stirring to translate. up the people. Yeah, you're stirring up the people, incitement. Incitement. So what does that mean? That means any, and then they go to list the groups, and you go down there, it's, it's religion, it's ethnicity, uh, uh, wait a minute, homosexuality, ch- uh, sexual orientation, not part of it, it's not in the law. Now where did this law come from? This law was created to fight Holocaust denial. In the 19, I think it was passed in the 1990s. It was passed to fight Holocaust denial because of Jewish pressure. Because the Jews Holocaust narrative blew up in the 1990s. It was a disaster for that narrative. Uh, First of all, because of the evidence that had come up in various trials. You mean
0: like Lichn- Fred Lichner and? Fred Leuchner, Leuchner,
1: who testified at the Zundel trial and also uh, on the French uh, professor's research into uh, the gas chambers. So they were, it was beleaguered. They couldn't refute what these people said. And so they said, okay, what's to make it illegal? Illegal to, 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 to talk about it. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> You, you just contradicted the German Constitution, which guarantees you the right to free speech. How are you going to adjudicate this? Well, we'll find out tomorrow, not tomorrow, Friday. And we won't find out Friday, because the trial won't be concluded on Friday. But we, this is a crisis now for the German state. Are they going to remain true to the Constitution, or are they going to simply hand over their lives to Jewish commissars through these, uh, through paragraph 130. Now who is, who is the Judas here? Who is the Judas in this whole story? It's the homosexual mafia in the Catholic Church who are working for uh, the Jews. America Magazine works hand in glove with uh, George Soros. The Jesuits are now running the Catholic Church. The Jesuits are now responsible for the synodal way You know, all this type of stuff, the survey, we're all supposed to go and talk and Pope, 1.2 billion people. What do 1.2 billion Catholics want? Well, if you look at the Germans, they've already told you. Let the divorced and remarried go to communion and change the church's teaching on homosexuality. And that's what the people voted for? The people have spoken. So they said. Vox Popoli, Vox Dei, what more can we say? This is preposterous. This is not the German people. If the German people had their say, if they were free, they'd say, uh, the, ter- the people of uh, Germany want you to abolish paragraph 130 because it's completely tyrannical contravention of our Constitution.
0: Now, we were going to, uh, maybe I'm jumping too far ahead, but we were going to include the trucking situation there in Canada. Does any of this come together? Is there. A-
1: is there anything where any of this fits? Yes, yes. So there's a. What's his name? No, I've, I've, I've forgotten his name. Is it Bernie Leiber, a Jew who was the head of the World Jewish Congress? Uh, he's now got his own organization, uh, uh, like Anti Hate Canada or something like that. Trudeau gave him a quarter. Yeah, uh, yeah, I
0: saw that, he got $250,000. Yeah, he
1: got $250,000 from Trudeau to create this anti-hate speech organization. Well, as soon as you hear hate speech, that's a Jewish creation. The ADL created it. They brag about how they created it. It got dragged out during the whole internet battle uh, during 2019 when people were getting deplatformed. And now it's being waged against the truckers. So uh, Libra, I think I got his name right, um, comes up with this thing, this basically a flyer that was basically given, uh, found it on a truck. Honest to God, I found it on a truck in Ottawa.
0: No, but somebody matched it to something else some other place. Well, wait
1: a minute, no, wait a don't, don't distract me from my, from my, so he, he's, and what does it say on there? Well, it has uh, all of the the Jews who were involved in the vaccine mandate mandates. So Borla, head of Pfizer, he's a Jew, Rachel Walensky, so on and so forth. They'll star David next to them. Well, this is awful to say that. Uh, but it turns out he didn't find it on a truck in Ottawa. Someone sent it from Florida. So it's a complete uh, false flag operation. But wh- what are we trying to do here? We're using the Holocaust now to basically beat these truckers into submission. And Trudeau is completely on board with this type of thing. He's calling, first of all, Trudeau is the Pete Buttigieg of Canada. He's at war with his own people, okay? He represents oligarchic interests. He wants to impose the oligarchic rules on Canada. And the latest project the oligarchs gave him was COVID, which is a, a war, biological warfare against the entire human race to bring them under control and destroy representative government.
0: And these truckers have enough leisure time because it's <clears throat> kind of a contemplative job and they have come together to a conclusion that that's tyranny and that's wrong and that's not Canada and that's not us.
1: That's right. So who, t- who I mean th- nobody did this thing. If it were, I mean the, the CIA uh, does this all the time they have an institute for democracy or National Endowment for Democracy is basically g- 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 does color revolutions and they just did one in Kazakhstan basically to attack Russia uh, to distract them from the Ukraine so they could roll over the Ukraine uh, and it didn't work the Russians but, but the trucker it. is just
0: like January 6th because you know I, I was there January 6th and a lot of people say yeah well, it was just like a prayer meeting well it doesn't take you know you give them anything and they could pull off a color revolution. These truckers are onto that, and they're not giving them a thing. They can't even, they had to get it out from some other place to get that flyer. The truckers aren't giving them anything. No, no,
1: this is clearly, but the point I'm sure, so you said, what's the connection? That's the connection. That's the connection, you have a a Jewish uh, uh, commissar who's gonna work with Trudeau to basically demonize the Canadian people by using the Holocaust by using the Holocaust narrative, by, by calling them anti-Semites and Nazis. That's identity theft. Remember we talked about And then the people theft? are
0: gonna be appalled. I can't support this.
1: Right, we're th- I mean polite people do not want to associate with Nazis and anti-Semites. I didn't know these truckers were like that. I'm going home. Well, it turns out they're not like that and it was created by a Jewish propagandist, like a descendant of Elia Ehrenb- Ehrenborg, The the Soviet propagandists who told the Soviet army to go kill Germans and rape their women? Is it it the direct descendant? Because that's what they do. That's what they do. And they're doing it in Canada now. And so now uh, Trudeau, uh, Trudeau had a moment of opportunity. If he were a smart politician, he would have done what Boris Johnson did in England. So Boris Johnson is on the ropes. He's on the ropes. He's ready to go down because they've got f- videos of him at parties at Number Ten Downing Street without his mask. Nobody's wearing masks. I can't Put your it. mask on for God's sake, <laughs> Boris. <laughs> put your mask on. It's that simple. Can't you do it? So he's just <laughs> laughing. Oh, he's, he's drinking wine, laughing at the at Hoy Poloy because they're following these stupid rules, we're, we're, uh, we don't have to follow those rules, we're masters of the universe, so he's in trouble and everybody's clamoring for his uh, resignation and he makes a brilliant move, he walks in and he says COVID is over, it was brilliant, I mean he, 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 I have to give him credit because basically what he did was take the power back from the medical oligarchs so it was like a stupid Trump. Which was always his, the, the government's to begin with. Right. He, took the, they, he handed the political power to the medical oligarchs, and they realized, holy shit, I'm getting a beating, and they're, they're getting and all the And I'm in, in charge. Advantage. This can't be. Uh, so I'm taking it back. Now, this is Trump was too stupid to do this. Trump didn't understand what was going on. He brought Fauci in. Why would you bring Fauci? Fauci's your enemy.
0: He's right out of New York. He should have known who he uh, was.
1: Fauci, what are you doing? He was, everybody knew who he was. He was notorious, first of all, because of the AIDS debacle. Fauci fast-tracked AZT, which killed more homosexuals than, than Genghis Khan, yeah. okay? Arthur Ashe, Magic Johnson. They took, the difference was that Arthur Ashe was a docile uh, uh, medicine taker and it killed him. AZT is toxic, it's one of the most toxic substances known to man. And the stupid homosexuals clamored for it, and Fauci ran and gave them what they wanted and killed them. And now he's supposed to be some type of hero because he did that. So now he's in charge. Okay, Fauci gets the benefit, and Trump gets the shit kicked out of him. And then Biden takes his place, and he's getting the shit kicked out of him because he's going to pay the price in November when the Democrats are gonna be driven from office completely. They better, they better rig a lot of elections because they're gonna lose across the board because everyone hates them now.
0: What do you think is gonna happen with that trucker movement? It's, it's all over the world, can it be defeated? Or is, I mean, is this a, you know, it's in the fourth quarter, the game is tied, where is this thing at? I mean, people are curious as to what you think. I mean, okay, you're not, so, you're not so a the, prophet. So
1: the, tr- yeah, I'm, I am a prophet. Okay. I have no honor in my native place. But uh, so the truckers are there and they're, they're vulnerable. Okay, they're vulnerable because they're, they're basically acting out of what they consider the goodwill of the sovereign. So it's like this, the Russian serfs, they come to St. Petersburg because they love the czar. And the, the, the idea is if only the czar could listen to us and hear what we're saying. He would change things and make it good for us. And so they show up, and what does the czar do? Makes a mistake and sends the Cossacks out, and he radicalizes all the serfs and paves the way to the Russian Revolution, okay? Now, if if Trudeau were smart, he would have done what Boris Johnson did, okay? Or you blew that opportunity. You missed that opportunity, because you're a good, docile servant of the oligarchs. You're the Pete Buttigieg of Canada. So now what? Uh, you should talk to the truckers he, the Indian ambassador <laughs> did a little video in which he <laughs> he said this hypocrite Trudeau criticized Modi for not talking to the farmers in India if I were prime minister of India I would have talked to those farmers Trudeau said well guess what you're ignoring the truckers
0: he's afraid of them been he's people.
1: afraid of them because he doesn't have a position because he's a weak man he's he knows he's a pawn he knows he's a, a pawn of the oligarchs. That's the only reason he has his job, you know. Other than being Fidel Castro's son, other than that, what qualifications do you have? So he's—he's he's now. They're both. They both painted themselves into a corner. That's the problem. You got the truckers now. They're—they're—they're uh, they're, they're working now. Step by. It's like a siege. It's like a siege. The truckers are under siege now. Okay, you surround the city, or you surround the trucks. You cut them off from fuel, which is what they're doing right now. Cut them off from food and fuel. So eventually they're gonna run out of, the trucks are gonna run out of fuel and then what? Then what's gonna happen then? They tried to call tow truck company, I heard this, and the tow truck company said, no, we all have COVID and hung up. So they're not gonna tow the truckers. So you're now, according to the report, you have hundreds of cops coming to, um, coming to Ottawa to arrest the truckers. Now, how is that going to come out? How is that going to, come out? I don't see, I see a bad outcome for both sides. Okay, let's assume that they do arrest the people. You will do, to, first of all, the Canadian people were one of the most docile groups of people on the face of the earth. And what happened is, what did you do? You radicalized them. Yeah. You radicalized it. a group of people. Now, if you go through with this thing, you will have a real serious problem because you can't govern people like this. There was, Canada is, is a huge country and it's sparsely populated.
0: My, my job takes me up there a lot, and so not in the last couple of years, but I get the impression they're fierce. They, they are docile, you know, they're the, they, they didn't join the revolution, okay, right, they're the, right. Hopes, okay. Right. But when it comes to certain types of freedom, they're really, okay Uh, they're really tough
1: so what do you have what's the situation you 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 were free to just go off on your own in Canada because there's so much space out there you got your truck you go off to wherever you are in Winnipeg or you know Regina or whatever it is you live outside and and uh, they leave you alone and everything is okay well you ruined that the government interfered the government overplayed their hand and now uh, you've got you, you you attack the truckers you will radicalize the entire Canadian population because they are already on the side of the truckers and they hate Trudeau. Truck Fudo is one of the memes that I've been seeing there. So it's going to, the only way to break this logjam would be for Trudeau to go and meet with the truckers, but he, he's not going to do that. That's, the Tsar should have met with the serfs. He didn't do it. It the biggest mistake that Tsar ever made and the whole. Monarchy collapsed. That's so we don't know. We don't know what the outcome is, but we know that that's that's the confrontation that's building right now. And if he does crack down, it's only going to make the situation worse. You'll have a radicalized population that you will not be able to rule because you have will have lost your legitimacy. Now,
0: how does that affect the local community here? How does that affect the United States? Is that going to yeah. affect anything?
1: Yeah, the United States is already backing away. So what, you, what you're going to see uh, uh, in Canada, as in the United States, Ottawa will fail, and then you'll see the rise in power of places like Saskatchewan, which will now take the leadership role in the province and end the COVID thing there, the way that um, DeSantis is doing in Florida. It's almost, I mean, maybe
0: I, 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 you can't
1: say it, but you've
0: got the Catholic Church, they're so disappointed in the Pope that they may, if somebody rises up, and says, no, I'm getting rid of the vaccine mandate like they are in Saskatchewan. You know, people are gonna, they're gonna, I mean, uh, it's it's not just happening, it's happening at the political level, but it seems like there's- Right, the the
1: class, the biggest failure of the church in the 21st century has been the fact that it's gone over to defending oligarchic narratives like COVID, it's a tragedy. The Jesuits are responsible, they should be suppressed now but uh, you know, not when the Pope is a Jesuit, that's not gonna happen. But, but hey, I think I think, that's, I think that's the situation. I think that's, you know, we don't know. The, the crucial, I mean, to the things we have to wait for, one of the things, how, what's going to happen in Germany? Is Father Oko going to go to jail for criticizing homosexuals? I mean, finland has got a problem on that same regard up there. This is, this, you do that, meine meine deutsche uh, Kollegen uh, tun nicht tun Sie das bitte nicht dann bekommt er Krieg noch mal ein Krieg zwischen Polen und Deutschland it will be a culture war between Poland and Germany because Poland never did take the the whole sexual gender thing it's like night and day and that's that's the situation so is Germany going to pull back from the brink and reaffirm the Constitution, or are they going to go full whole hog into homosexual, i.e., homosexual Jewish tyranny? So it, ha-
0: it happens in a family. Are you gonna accept the, the homosexual? It was happening in the, the, the men that I know here. They were challenged to accept it, and they didn't. But you know, what are you gonna do? You have a, a grandson that's a homosexual? Are you gonna
1: make, make- wrong, right? Well, the Synod has spoken. Yes, we're going to make wrong right. The Senate, Germany has basically separated itself from the Catholic Church. You cannot propose these things and be part of the Catholic Church. And that's uh, that's how we're gonna to have to leave it. Because it's basically, right it, it's a type of heresy. Homo heresy is what Father Oko called it. So let's have, a, we'll get back together the next time when we have something to say about the events that are about to happen okay. this week.
0: Okay, well. Um... I'm glad, okay, I'm glad you came on. Uh, people have been asking you to come on. And um, the South Bend Tribune is not, dis- is not doing it. I mean, we have public access. I still meet people that, that, that are thankful for it. It's not like it was before YouTube. Before YouTube was, um, public access was everything. So, Peter Helland on Citizens for Community Media with uh, Dr. E. Michael Jones.